You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, and as the fine lady says, your team every day. Guys, I'll keep reminding you, whether it's Surrey, whether it's Alexa, ask the fine, fine women to say, play podcast, Locked On Browns. The hook up with the latest episode. Uh, hope everybody's holding in here. I mean, guys, we went from the polar vortex to, uh, you know, don't get too out crazy. Uh, we're not opening the pools yet. We're not breaking out the grills. Uh, but I hit 63 here in Jersey today, and I understand this has kind of been the sink. I mean, I sweated today. I sweat today. It was weird. It was just absolutely weird because like, I didn't even know what was going on because that's how long it's been with the weather breaking like this. But, guys, you know, hope you're enjoying it. Uh, you know, for me, for an older guy, body's a little looser, feeling a little better on days like today. So look, uh, it's already February. Huh? Let's get closer to that nicer weather, get through all this. But look, we got an off-season to cover That now that we are 110% officially into that. Uh, joining here this evening, whether you can find his work over at the OBR, whether you can find his work over at Cleveland.com, whether you're listening to, whether you're viewing on YouTube, whether you're reading Brown's Film Breakdown, Jake Burns, my buddy, it's been too long. How you doing, little bro? Hey, I'm good, Jeff. How are you, bro? Um, hey guys, if anybody doesn't know, uh, we're recording here on February 4th. Pretty significant day for both of us. And we're not going to get too into this yet. We'll save it for the end of the show. Um, my daughter, a preemie, this is her 11th birthday. Jake's son, a preemie as well, his first birthday. This is kind of what developed the relationship between me and Jake. Look, look we enjoyed working together, but uh, Jake was going through a lot. And now here, and obviously, you know, it, you know, if anybody knows Kelby, obviously, they were going through a lot. And, you know, and Jake kind of said, oh, man, there's a lot going on here. And, you know, asked some advice. I was like, Jake, I know all about this. And he was like, get out of here. I was like, no, man, I really do. I, I've been through all of this. And, you know, and this is kind of where the bond grew. Look, we enjoyed working together. But there's that bond there of, and, and, and Jake knows, as you know, being part of a guy who went to the NICU and what he did today. Uh, you, you get it, Jake. And Jake, now a year out, you, you, you kind of see it a little bit more, right? And like the bond and everything you went through and everybody in there just hoping that every single baby gets out of there and gets to a normal life. But how was the day? Uh, you know what? All right, we're here already. Let's do it. Jake, how was? How was? How, here you are, one year out. How is it now? Fatherhood, seeing this little <laughs> boy now. What was it like today? It was cool, man. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine it. It gets much better for for anyone that's been through it. I, I mean, to be honest, Jeff, you, you kind of told the story, the backstory of of how that came together when when uh, it was about a year ago. Because it's always going to be like synonymous with the Super Bowl for me, the same way it is for you, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, we were we were in and out of the hospital. She was getting really swollen. I, I, all of this stuff was new to me. She, mom was um, going through the the rigors of a swollen feet and swollen ankles and. Her entire body, she's a skinny woman, and uh, for her body to have been as swollen as it was, we kind of just thought maybe this is what pregnancy is supposed to do, and um, kind of rolled with it, but then it got to the point where she was struggling in too many different ways, so we took her in first part of February, maybe February 1st, and kept her, and a couple days later, it was all of a sudden, and I know that, Jeff, you've told your story of your little girl was much earlier than, than Porter. Porter was about 33 weeks. Um, I know yours was, what, 26? or my, 20, is that 22. 20. 22, 22 yeah which is even crazier man I, I yeah we were we were very blessed we got him to 33 weeks and had him the night of the the morning of the super bowl last year we had him and you know you have your your child at the NICU and i had no clue what the NICU. i didn't even know what NICU stood for before we went <laughs> in the hospital i had no idea man you just you know as new yep. parents you had no idea so we 
we spent uh i spent a good part of the day up there as much as i was able to physically be up there with them they have times that you can't be up there and it was it was Mm -hmm. flu season last year so it was kind of restrictive and um you know mom was able to kind of heal up and get up there and see him a little bit too but she was only uh we got back to the room and she was only able to watch halftime of the super bowl because it was justin timberlake last year she was really wanting to watch that and I just have bits and pieces of last year's Super Bowl in my mind, like the the strip sack at the end. I didn't get to watch much of it, but it was it was miraculous, man. How they treat those children up there and how they get them from A to B. And um, I'll never forget. We only spent 21 days. I know your journey was much longer, and a lot of people deal with journeys that are much longer up there. So we're very blessed to uh, to only spend 21 days up there. But they were the I would say they were the longest 21 days I've spent in my entire life. And uh, it's it's challenging. It's challenging in ways you can't really put into words. So at the time I reached out to kind of get a feel for everything that was going on. I asked yourself who I, you know, we kind of crossed paths on uh, your story when, when I told you guys that this is something that could be happening. And I think I had actually seen you post your story, Jeff. So um, you had posted it to Twitter before. So I wanted to say something to you because I knew you had experience. And uh, Mike Bodie over at Waiting for Next Year also had a little bit of experience with it. And you guys were great, man. I mean, just you know, calming somebody down. Hey, here's the next step. The doctors are going to do the induction. They're going to do this, that. Um, you, you can't really put a price tag on that. You can't put a price tag on somebody walking you through from a dad's perspective of how to handle the mom and how to handle the family and how to handle your kid. And Yeah, I wrote, I wrote about it a year ago because there was a lot of emotions, and I just wanted to kind of lay out the connection that I thought was really, really neat. The guys that I've never met in person never shook your hand and you were kind enough to share an intricate part of your life with me. And that was really cool to me and something I'll really genuinely never forget. So as the Super Bowl comes around and hopefully as we, as we watch the Browns franchise grow, the Super Bowl becomes more synonymous with the time the Browns are playing. It, uh, it just will always have a special spot in my heart about this time of year. And we got up there today to the NICU to visit the nurses and give them some cookies and cupcakes we made just as a small token of our appreciation. And it looks the same. Everything's humming the same. It's a big machine that, that has some of the best women in the world. And every city has these, man. Every city has NICU nurses who just they pull off miracles. And you don't know yep. you need that miracle until you're up there and you need that miracle. And you just got to witness it. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm talking to a bunch of people through your podcast that have no clue what I'm talking about. But until you see this part of your life, the best thing that can ever happen to you in your entire life is to produce a child with someone you love and and to uh, and to watch them come out early and, and have no clue whether they were going to be safe or not. And then you're putting them in somebody else's hands every day. And they're they're miracle workers. I don't, I don't know what other way to say it other than they're just some of the best people, uh, some of the best hearts. You know, we're calling them all hours of the night. They take calls 24 hours a day because you just want to check just how are they yeah. doing. And it's uh it's it's a it's a group of people that only know you know like you just don't know until you've been there we were leaving the NICU today after we dropped that stuff off and riding down the elevator with a couple parents who said they've been there five weeks we just gave them a hug just hey you know we've been there and um it's gonna get oh you know they're gonna get through it you're gonna be fine and we have a 24 year pound one-year-old oh my god (laughs) yeah man he loves food and he loves he's crawling everywhere he's a little behind where you'd want him to be but it he's might be because he's so big. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, bro. He's ten months old and technically by gestational ages yep. or whatever. And but he's crawling like a maniac, and he's going to be walking before we know it. And you know, we're we're blessed, bro. I, I couldn't, I couldn't have asked for that first year to go any better. We had no problems. We had you know, knock on wood, but we had no problems. We've we've been hitting some of the milestones we needed to hit. He still hates touching certain things, but that's you know, sensory issues and whatever. I, I hate putting my hands in weird stuff too. <laughs> so, um, but no, nah, man, I, I can't, I've told you privately, I'll tell you publicly, man, you were, you were a big help to me. And 
our, our for some unforeseen reason by God, our, our our preemies were born on the same day, man. And um, just too funny. It's, it's just cool. It's just really cool. There's no other way to put it than you and I will share a text till the day we die, talking about uh, talking about our children's birthday. And you know, your daughter will be thirty, and my daughter will be twenty twenty at this some point, and we'll be sharing texts all the same, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I, I still remember because I, I remember. It, obviously, it was a year ago. Uh, we went out to breakfast. It was a Sunday. Normally, something we do. And me, I, I run and do the food shopping because my wife will spend three times more than we need to. I go, <laughs> what do the kids need for school? And we'll take care of that. Yada yada yada. And uh, I'm literally going through. And the phone goes off, and it, it was you. The baby's here, and I was like, wow. I was like, Jake, this is my daughter's birthday. And it was just the strangest thing. You know, obviously, the, I mean, the strangest coincidence, obviously. And I remember the one thing I'm telling you was like, Jake, look, everything I'm telling you, though, but this is also 10 years ago. Think about what's gone on in 10 years in, you know, medical training and medical advancements. And it's, you know, and obviously it worked out well for you guys. And and look, guys, you know, as great it is for Jake and I, there's so many that it doesn't. And that's, you know, and hopefully with medical advancement and things of that nature, it'll continue to get better and better. And, you know, and look, and when you're a parent and that, it's like, look, I don't care. I just want my baby to come home. I'll deal with issues. It doesn't matter. You know, me and Jake, me and Jake are probably some of the booming success stories, but there's some, you know, that have not much success at all, obviously. There's some that have moderate success. But either way, you want your child home at the end of the day. It's your baby. You want to take care of it. If it means it's not going to leave the house in 20 years, that's fine. Regardless, you, you want your child. You want your baby. And, and you know, in, in today, you know, my wife, she puts up, you know, you know, and she's always smart, man. She's always up, you know, like three o'clock in the morning. She always beats me on these days. The Facebook <laughs> post goes up, so she oh, gets yeah. the majority of the, you know, I got like 500 more friends on Facebook. She gets the majority of the likes. I'm like, my, my granted's the mom too, but we see the nurses commenting on here. And now at the time, you know, these nurses at the time were, you know, single women. The, you know, the one woman we went to her wedding, she's now about to have her fourth, fourth daughter. Uh, the other nurse is married, has a set of twins and another child. And it's just like, oh my God. Well, and it, like it, for us, it's like, well, you know, it all goes by in a blur. But then you think about it, like people that, you know, who you didn't know and became like your go-tos. Like, you know, they, they, it was like, all right, you, you're my superhero right now. You know, I mean, you literally view them, whether it's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, whatever. They are the ones, you know, getting your child through the most difficult stages in early life and everyone thinks hey we'll have a baby nine months later here's our kid and yet no i mean it doesn't always work that way and even if it does go that way you can read every book you want to read once here is your kid nobody knows what the hell they're doing even if you read you know freaking nine thousand pages nobody remembers any of that stuff it's not the way that works but uh jake uh to mr porter and obviously, my daughter Hopi. Uh, you know, you uh, team preemies, guys, enjoy your birthdays. Hope it was a great weekend for both of you. Uh, guys, iTunes rating reviews. Now's a great time. You want to drop one? Go ahead and take care of that. All right, Jake. We are going to talk some ball here because you know, look, you know, we kind of are good at this dad thing. We're pretty good at this ball thing too. Uh, Super Bowl yesterday. Uh, the ex quarterback in you, the ex wide receiver in me, probably sat there. And, uh, can this? Can we get something going here, man? Just something, man. I mean. They, you know, it's you know, it was like night. You know, it, all, the the Giants of the eighties, the the Bears defense of yeah. the eighties. Can we get something going here, man? Something, and it never really got to that. But look, every Super Bowl, you know, there's fifty three Super Bowls. So you look at each one of them as a chapter. You know, some of them are going to be exciting if it appeals to you. Some of them might not be so exciting. So yesterday may not have been a game that appealed to us. 
But you know, you and I. Lo- I know one of the things with you is you know the putting together of a drive and with some significance. And the Patriots were able to do that yesterday with a, with a big drive to get that first touchdown. And I'll be honest, it, it felt at the time like, all right, I mean, it, it seems crazy that 10-3 seemed insurmountable, but it essentially did. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I'm an obviously a, an offensive background guy like yourself, but that stuff's cool to me too all the same. Like I've, I've played in many games where it just felt like as an offense you couldn't get it going. And no matter what you tried, it just seemed like the defense had a beat on it. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a football through and through. I understand why people wouldn't like it, but I'm on the, I'm on the other side of the token, which is that sometimes like sometimes the defense wins, man. Like there's nothing you can do in New England. That's was, where you see that two weeks yeah. coming. Yeah, like look, we've seen every play you ran this year, so you better have something that we haven't seen because if you don't, we're ready for it. Yeah, and if you're and if you're gonna run what you run, you better be better than us. And um. No, I, I just thought both teams were really physical at the point of attack defensively. Both teams took away what the opponent wanted to do initially, which is paramount. Sometimes teams don't get there. Both teams got there from a defensive standpoint. And they just I just thought it, it they both got after the quarterback really effectively, made them move off of their spot. Now, obviously, New England's uh, defense played at a completely different level, and Hightower was a freak of nature in the Super Bowl again, which is just kind of silly at this point. But uh, I was cool with it, man. Like I just thought that it was really cool how New England took everything away, everything quick that the Rams love to do, every everything uh, you know that they that they want to do to get the ball out of Goff's hands quick and establish rhythm and get this play action game going. That you know is boom fake one put one foot in the ground throw quarterback stuff just wasn't there, and they were just they took away your bread and butter, and when your bread and butter gets taken away. How do you adjust? And uh, they didn't adjust. They, they, the the Rams just failed to adjust, and Goff seemed, Goff seemed rather rattled throughout the game. And I get that, that McVay didn't do a fantastic job, but I just thought Goff, the way he was playing, everything with Goff was the weight was backward the entire game. It never felt like he was comfortable going forward, and he was playing on his heels. And, um, you know, although New England didn't score a ton of points, they, they still put up, I think, what did they put up? Upwards of 350 yards and six yards of play. Or sorry, more than six yards. Plus, it yeah. was a healthy number more than that. They 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 moved the football. They didn't score the football like they want to, but they moved it well and they ran the ball well and controlled the point of attack in the second half. And um, I thought the better team won. So um, I made predictions. I thought the Rams were going to win, but I also made those predictions considering that they were going to be able to get loose downfield a little bit and they were going to take away defensively that they were going to take away Edelman. I thought you could allow Gronk to get whatever he wanted. Like you could keep Gronk at the hundred yard mark because he's just not the burner he used to be, but you you had to take away Edelman and they didn't take him away. I just feel like they didn't bracket him. They didn't do enough to take him away move him off his spot. And uh, once Tom settled in and got comfortable with him there in the middle of the game into the second half, it was, it was sort of downhill from there. So I was entertained. It was good football too. Just really great offensive mind and defensive minded coaches going back and forth and still on the other side too, between McDaniels and Wade Phillips, it was, it was, uh, it was fun. It's it's that's football at a high level. That, that, to me, that's that's where you want to see the Browns at. I, I I struggle still to see the Browns on that stage. I don't think they're close to that stage yet, but um, they can be. They just have to get. They have to see those moments and feel those moments to get there. Um, and 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 they could. So it just it's still. I told I was talking to a buddy of mine. We were watching the game last night. I just have a hard time envisioning the Browns here, and. I, I still think it's just because I, I haven't been exposed to. The, I don't think the talent discrepancy is wide by any stretch of the imagination, but I 
you got that little taste there in week 17 of Nance and Romo calling their games. And it's just like the environment of those games. You know what I mean, Jeff? Like yep. the big stage and the bright lights and the, and the big time A-list broadcasters. Like you, 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 like you don't even have to research it. You know it from the first snap. Oh, okay. Here's yeah. where we are. Yeah. It's a different feel. And that's, that's something that'll take some getting used to for all of us is like next year that they mark the marquee games of the Browns and the uh, Seahawks is one of their marquee games. And I think what was the other one? Browns Rams or, Mm-hmm. Something like that. Those are the Patriots Browns. Yep. Another marquee game. We're playing at, some... at, at New England next year. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun, man. There'll be some really fun, uh, some fun endeavors where we'll feel like we're a part of the big boys next year. So they got a, they got their plate is full. But no, as far as the Super Bowl goes, I was I was good with it. it, it the, the better team won. I want to dislike Tom Brady, but I can't. I just you, you get it gets to the point where the, even the people who hated Michael Jordan the most were just like, okay, this is just we're watching greatness and. Um, you just you just get to the point. Even if you hate Boston, you appreciate it, and that's where I'm at. I'm tired of them. I'm mentally drained with watching Boston, and that's just not like I. Maybe if the Red Sox sucked and the Bruins sucked and the Celtics sucked for the last two decades, I wouldn't care as much. But I'm just I'm so drained with Boston sports being good at everything and in stages. And New England's done it for the Patriots have done it for two decades now. So it's just like you know, come on, man. I just would rather see somebody else win this thing. Tom Brady won. I, I remember the first Patriots Rams Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, I had just bought. Uh, I just bought a townhouse. Uh, Mrs. Lloyd was nowhere into the equation. Jake I was, was in seventh grade. Yeah, so Jake was. In seventh, I was moving in that week, and you know, I watched all the pregame that week, and I was like, you know what? Uh, you know, the Patriots here—they may pull this off because the Rams were the you know the shiznit at the time, and it was just like, oh my god, you know, and and, and, and now here we are, seventeen years later. And, you know, look, you know, obviously you were in seventh grade now, you know, obviously, with you know, found the woman of your dreams with a kid, me married with a 12-year-old and now an 11-year-old. And But here's still Tom Brady. It's like death taxes and Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> and he but, doesn't, he's not going anywhere, man. Like, he just wants to keep playing and watch the world burn. Like, you know, and that's even the thing. Quit. Like, look, just give me some reasonable money and I'll be the quarterback of this team until, you know, uh, I, one day I sneeze. And, you know, that's it. All the extremities in my body just all quit at the same time. And I'm just a feeble old 40-year-old like the rest of us. But he won seven. I think that's his number. Seven would give the New England the most in the league history, right? And then uh, more than any single athlete in any sport, I think. Uh, no, Bill Russell. I take that back. But, yeah, but, I mean, um, exactly. So, I mean, you know, oh, yeah. seven, you know, because six isn't good enough, Tom. <laughs> but some thoughts on the game that you got to. Um, look, uh, in, in no way am I dissing Sean McVay here, though. But I think this may be good for Sean McVay because you want to know what? Okay. This guy is a go-getter. He's a he's an animal. All right. Somebody Look, got I, my let me say this somebody too, all right, but all right, but somebody got my goat. <laughs> and you know Sean McVay is probably already working right now. This is the big topic of debate that's going on. Like I and I made several comments on this and I did not mean for anything I said to come off as like I don't think Sean McVay is good. You can't belittle what Sean McVay's done in two years, eleven and five from to 13 and three from what were they seven and nine the year before with jeff fisher and he flipped golf's career like he's great he is he is it's not hyperbolic to say he's one of the better offensive mind in the league right now but he's getting by this girly thing is very strange jeff this whole thing is this very is annoying weird. just say he's hurt like they, otherwise he, why would you not is, feature him what what's going on is he's not hurt he was the fastest player on the field last night and oh, he's not he hurt. had the ball like the thing that's weird to me is everybody and I get it. I understood that rhetoric of like, well, you don't say he's hurt going into the game. That's cool. Like, that's fine. I get it. I get where you're coming from there. But after the game, all they had to do was say, 
hey, man, I have a bum knee. And it's just, you know, we, we tried it out pregame and it just wasn't working. And I got on there when I, they didn't, do, he said, I'm fine. They kept saying, I'm fine. McVeigh confirmed it. Todd Gurley was frustrated. So I just, I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. It's like the, 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 the Cowboys going to the Super Bowl and not even using Elliott, uh, Ezekiel Elliott for more than 15 touches or, or freaking, uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, you know, the Giants for, for found some way on heaven and earth to get to the Super Bowl and only given that <laughs> Barkley, nice uh, you know, the, the the rookie of the year runner up, Barkley, uh, 15 touches a game. Like it just, it would be crazy to me that this is this guy is he was the back in the NFL this year. Like what what I don't get it. There has to be an answer. Like that to me was a failure. There's a failure from Sean McVay to to get the best player on his offense the ball in different creative ways. Like if New England's taking away your simple outside zone stuff you love to do all the time, that's cool. But find other ways to get him the ball. Put him in the slot. Move him in flat motion, fly motion. What do something. Get him the ball, man. That was a failure, and I don't think he should skate away on that. I think people get so caught up on the criticism of it. Like I can criticize Sean McVay and say, hey, man, this guy really dropped the ball in the Super Bowl, but that doesn't mean I'm not saying he's a great coach, but I think that it's inexcusable what they did with Todd Gurley. It's, and look, and I don't care what anybody says. The only reason, and unless you're just an absolute numbskull, you dance with the girl that got you to the, you, know, you went to the dance with. For they, sure. can, they can continue to say it. Something's not right. And if they want to keep saying, oh, he wasn't, maybe it, it, if you're looking to not use it as an excuse, and look, nobody who played in that game yesterday was 100%. You know, maybe Todd Gurley was less. There's something wrong. I don't care what anybody says. Maybe it's, maybe the knee was just weak due to the fact now, obviously, you know, we know he's had injuries in the past from usage or whatever. I, I am not going to believe for a second that Todd Gurley was fine because if you didn't use him, then you're a moron. And you know, and, and so there's which way are you gonna go? Are you gonna be the moron, or are we covering up for Todd Gurley? Like, if we don't get an article in the next month, then I'm just gonna go with McVay and just utterly blew it. Like, I don't. But the thing that's weird is the but NFC also. But are we gonna find an Instagram post here in the next three weeks and you see Todd Graham, you know, Todd Gurley, ah, a little scope? Well, yeah, no, just say why didn't you just say it then? It's so everybody would understand. They would. Yeah, no, there's no reasoning behind it, and like, I just. Uh, I just don't get. I don't get it. I don't. I firmly don't understand it. We have to get more information. Whether if the no information comes, that is information, meaning that they just failed to get him the football and got caught up in this cycle of C.J. Anderson, which is just really silly. And I mean, uh, it was a nice little story, but it was the freaking Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> you, man. You, you go. Mean, you go with your A game. <laughs> I'm with you, dude. It's it's strange to me, and it's. It, I'm trying not to jump the gun with it, but I think that we would have we would have grilled. Think about the ridicule that Jason Garrett would have taken in that situation. Like I said, think about what Pat Shermer would have taken in that situation. Or even, well, here, if, you wanna, if you want to put it into a Browns perspective, we've all screamed now for two seasons, when is Duke Johnson going to get the ball more? Imagine yeah. if it was the Super Bowl, and we looked back at the end of the game and said, wait a minute, Nick Chubb only touched the ball eight times? This was the yeah. game you choose to feature Duke Johnson? We'd want an answer. And you, you can't say, oh, oh, well, Nick Chubb was fine. We just thought two gave us the best. No, because that was never the case for 32. Well, actually, put in playoffs. That was never the case for 35, 38 games over the past two seasons. So we feel like we deserve a better explanation. Uh, be that as it may, it's over. Um, Sony Michelle, uh, what he did, Jake, I know you were a big fan. And me and Pete, like, last night we actually put the handshake out. We called the truce. We were both right. Both Georgia running backs were really, really damn good. But it was a nice run for Sony Michelle, and you know, three hundred over three hundred and fifty-five yards in three playoff games. 
I guess he all added up. I think it ended up being six touchdowns or whatever. But, you know, nice run for him. Obviously, the only guy who scored a touchdown game. Edelman, like you said, he's... Edelman is, you know... And look, guys, no, the Hall of Fame talk. Can we just give him five more seasons, three more seasons? Just stop. I don't want to talk about Julian Edelman and whether or not he's a Hall of Fame player off of who he is now. Um, But he's the ultimate pain in the ass. um, Because as small as he is... He plays like he's a lot bigger. He's tough. He'll argue. He will He will get in your face. It was just incredible by him. And, and how the Rams did not say, this is the guy we got to take away from the passing game. Gronk now is a guy who can get open and will catch the ball when he's open, but that's it. It's not the, I caught the five-yard flat, and now I've got a head of steam, and I'm going to run over 78 people. He's yeah. not that guy anymore. Edelman was the guy that needed to be eliminated and you know, and look, you know, the scheme really wasn't there because a lot of times it was just you know him you know busting it on a route, barring it out. It, it, there needed to be more on Julian Julian Edelman. You can't let him go ten for one forty one on you. No, and, and, and like I just didn't think they did enough bracketing of him. I didn't think that they they didn't take him serious enough. Is almost what it felt like. And uh, um, I'm sure that Wade Phillips and McVeigh will will have that haunt their dreams. And as far as the Edelman stuff goes with the uh, with the with, with the Hall of Fame, I'm with you. Let it play out. Like clearly, this guy's not a Hall of Famer right now, but it's it's cool that Edelman, this this quarterback from freaking Kent State, and um, who, who's who came into the league as a nobody and uh, had to find reps doing other things initially. And, and like it's cool. Like he's put himself in the conversation where you can you can throw out Hall of Fame and it's not absolutely asinine. Like, obviously, he's not the Hall of Famer. I'm not saying that, but he's he's put himself in a chance to, in the next five years, if he were to go off and go crazy, he could be Hall of Famer, and that's really neat. That's a story that um, is a story you want to tell your kids about, man. So uh, Yeah, I mean, just uh, because know, he played on. like a Hall of Famer in a Hall of Fame moment doesn't necessarily yeah. mean he's a Hall of Famer. No, absolutely you know, not. So. He's, a good, he's a good player. He's done really well for himself. He's Like I said, he's put himself in a position to to uh to have a chance to go out and do really well the next three four years and be a you know be a hall of famer and uh that's cool that's great it's not going to happen for him i would be absolutely stunned if i think that he's a product of where he landed i think if you put adam humphreys in that situation he might do just as well like you know he's not an all-time great but he's a hell of a player too like if he played for your team you would uh we'd probably be putting our foot in the ground thumping our chest saying the same thing so it's uh, it's, it's good also, to see. He's also not the first guy who's excelled on intermediate route running and you know rockability to have a nice run with the New England Patriots. He's oh, just no, the latest one. Won't be the last. Exactly. He's it. just the latest one. Yeah. Um, guys. Um, and uh, you know, Mark Schofield, obviously a friend of Jake's, friend of mine, uh, host the Locked On Patriots podcast. Um, you look the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of tired of it, but I do love Mark, and I know Mark does a fantastic job. So, guys, you want to check out anything? Uh, and, and do, I will recommend, I did listen to the post-game show, and it's great to hear a guy who grew up in, you know, obviously, it, it, you know, in the mass area, you know, talk about it, and, and this is what Jake strives for, this is what, we want to have that, we want to have that moment, I want two weeks of covering this team going into the Super Bowl, and getting to talk about it afterwards with a win, so, but Lockdown Patriots, Mark Schofield, does a fantastic job, guys. Uh, Jake, a couple things here before we put this to bed, um, and we'll go with this one here, this is a little short, then we'll go with this one next. Um, this team here, and look, and this is some things now, and guys, I love all my listeners. Guys, we, you know, I love you to death. But do keep in mind, it was still 7-8-1 and one this year. There's still a lot that needs to be done. Jake, some positional needs, in your opinion, that 
some things that, you know, and we don't need to call out players here yet, and that's the thing. Everybody wants free agent names. It's too hard to do that right now because you have no idea who's going to be retained, who's not. But some positional needs you feel for this team to find and get itself where we're saying 11-5, and five, maybe 12-4. and four. Some holes you think, in your opinion, need to be filled. Yeah, so I tried to I tried to pinpoint that down a little while back with the, the, the positions I think they have to fill, they can fill, and then they they or sorry they need to fill, they have to fill, and they can fill. Um, I, defensive tackle and defensive end, I think they need two players. I, I'm not sure that you need a a. I think they have two really good players at those positions already. So you so you don't think don't J.D. Van Clowney is the guy we need here? No, no. <laughs> yeah, because that's I, another I, one. Oh, my God, no, no, guys. It's not, it doesn't need to be that significant. No, and if they want to do that, if they can find a deal for Clowney, like, I could live with that. I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> saying, I'm saying I could live with that. Like, I'd be giddy, but they don't need somebody like that. Somebody like Alex Okafor or, um, you know, just, just – I, I haven't even dug in deep to the, to the lower-tier defensive end names. But a little more teeth to it. Yeah, you you could just uh, you could improve. You can improve through the draft. There are names if they wanted to take another first round big name, the Mr. Burns out of uh, cousin cousin Burns down there from Florida State is a heck of a football player. Well, or, you have to you twist know. my arm for a seminal here. <laughs> I know. I figured. Um, you know, Jakai Polite, the kid from Florida, is good too. They they are options all over the field defensively. This defensive end and defensive tackle free agency class and draft class are pretty loaded and and. Um, I, I genuinely think that it's the best time for the Browns to need those positions because it is a chance to fill them. They, you know, in the interior, they obviously have Larry. I just wrote about Larry. He's phenomenal. He burst. His bursts are great, and as he gets better and he gets older, he will have more consistency with his burst ability to just dominate people. And um, I think they just need to add one. And whether that's uh, somebody on the interior like Darius Phylon, somebody, somebody that they can add. Uh, I'm, I'm not even sure what guys. Grady Jarrett is probably not going to hit the market. Sheldon Richardson maybe hits the market. That would be an he, interesting well, name. I, I've spoken. Anybody I told to Vikings wise says that he should be in play. And Sheldon Richardson, knowing him, obviously you know from my Jet days here, and you know being in New Jersey, Sheldon Richardson's going to go to the market. And look, Sheldon Richardson's going to go to the money. That's just the way it's going to be. Is the type of guy he is. And, and to his credit, he's gotten his act together off the field. Fantastic yeah. player. Um, the most popular one though seems to be Gerald McCoy in Tampa. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where Baker he said, Hey Baker, cash in a chip for us, man. Call him, man. Yeah. You, you got those Oklahoma ties. And they did the whole YouTube thing before the draft or whatever. And you see how that goes. But yeah, that would be an interesting name as well. Yeah, I know that I know that it was kind of floated out last week that he would be uh, his time in Tampa was finished by somebody. I can't remember who it was. It wasn't anybody with a check mark, but uh No. Um and he kind of refuted it. Gerald actually jumped back in and refuted it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not convinced that he – I have a, a good friend of mine who lives in Tampa and is a huge Bucks fan and knows how much Gerald loves it down there, and I'm just not convinced he does it. The market. He, he loves does, it. They all does. love it. in a big flo- part of the yes, but they lo- Yes, but they also love it because they're not paying state income tax. Yes, and that helps. That does. Yeah, That's bigger than people want to admit. Uh, of course it does. For sure, bro. And and, and but you if you want to give up seven hundred and fifty k of your salary, I certainly don't. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, I'd like to. Yeah. I tell you what, give me what you gave up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cut me that break up up my salary then. Um, no, like if if they Browns desperately want him and and Tampa calls and says, hey man, you can have him for a fifth. Like they'll do it. Do it. I mean, I think he's he's a freaking phenomenal football player, and I think he's got two or three more really good years in his in his body and his in his mind and. 
Um, I hope they do it. I, 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 here's what I know. I would like to have one D tackle under my belt going into the draft, and then you can look yep. at the first three rounds are going to be really good interior football players. If you want to go the Simmons route, which the Browns have already been connected to, it didn't take a genius or a rocket science to figure out. On, Febu- on, Fe- on February 4th, that was kind of yeah. cute, though. Yeah, the silliness that is. Um, but, you know, Christian Wilkins is out there amongst many other names. We're not going to go into because that's another conversation for a close to the draft season. And it feels but, uh, weird without having Steve around to do it. It does, man. Get off the water, Steve, man. Put put up, uh, you know, come back to the land and, and let us let us jump on this, this mock draft pod. We're, we'll save a lot of those deep information pieces for then. But, uh, no, I just think they need to go into the, 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 the draft with one interior player and one – uh, linebacker, because the guy I keep eyeing is the Ohio kid uh, who obviously went to Texas, but nonetheless, Jordan Hicks out of Philly. I think he'd be a really fun fit up in Cleveland. Uh, so just sort of a sound outside linebacker, I think, could 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 do some different... Not, the, the name outside linebacker gets a little silly, but he yep. can cover and he can do things. I saw somebody on our conversation asked about Anthony Barr. Like To me, Anthony Barr is a really athletic dude. He's 6'5". He's huge. He but he's never lived up to who we think he is. He played for a really good defensive mind in, in, in Minnesota anyway, and he just really has a he just really has a Jamie Collins vibe to me where he's an athletic freak, but he's just undisciplined, finds himself in the wrong position far too often, doesn't read and diagnose as quickly as you would like him to. And, like, you know, if they go that route, you're happy because he's, he's good enough to be serviceable the same way Jamie was good enough to be serviceable. But you just, with some of those guys, you just find yourself wanting more and wanting more and wanting more from them, and you're never going to get it. So um, if Anthony Barr's price is right, I can get behind something like that. If C.J. Mosley hits the free agency market, I would dump the truck at him because I, I, yeah, that's, I'm a believer that, 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 in that dude. Yeah, that's not even yeah. a question. Yeah, I'm a believer in that dude's leadership and that dude's ability to stop the run. The Browns today, the big conversation was pro football focus graded the browns as the worst tackling team and since 2011 and there's truth to that and especially joe i love joe Schobert like few linebackers that the browns have ever had but he was a he was a really piss poor tackler in in uh, 2018 and i think he would admit that to you and that's something they just have to get better at as a team and and uh and, and cj mosley would bring that attitude with him now you worry about some positional overlap but as long as you're playing two backers in the box often and I don't even have a concern about jumping Joe out and letting him play the hash, letting him be that hash field goal post runner type that outside linebackers who, who play in the box at the same time can handle. So it's a new defense. It's a new D.C. Joe's an athletic freak. He can he can get where he needs to get in his coverage grade. Last year was indicative of how good he is in coverage. So, you know, if C.J.'s your box defender, you're taking him out of Baltimore. You're putting him in Cleveland. It's a hand-in-glove fit. So um, some good names out there to be had, but I'd like one of those guys at each of those positions going into the draft. And uh, – you know, from that point on, you, you're going into the draft with uh, who's the best player available. We don't have to reach here. If the best player yep. available is a defensive end, then we take that defensive end and we let him blossom and make bring out the best of Miles Garrett. And then, you know, if you, or if it gets to D tackle is the best position. Get get Phil instead of worrying about we have to plug gaps, worrying about taking the best player that can help us make an impact next year and in the long haul. And that 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 can be a really good uh, that can be the best scenario in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, because if you're going to take you know you know on your worst and look, guys. Uh, you don't want there to be the phenomenal, ridiculous amount of defensive snap counts that there were this past year. Yeah. But if it's now three guys playing 45 to 50 snaps, that's much more manageable. Anthony Barr, I, I do agree with the Jamie Collins thing. And the thing with Anthony Barr, it does give you another hesitation of, is he playing for the name on the back of the jersey or is he playing for the name on the front of the jersey type of thing? Yeah. And this is one thing that, you know, in some of the listeners, I'm, I'm sure for you and for me, they don't understand is 
the emphasis is going to be more on a coverage linebacker. And and this was and some people misconstrued this today. And this was why the Browns want to get more athletic at the linebacker position. And this is why they pursued it at the trade deadline. You need coverage linebackers. If you are a good team, you're going to be playing nickel and dime 65% of the time. This, I mean, and, and you saw these guys struggle, whether it was Christian McCaffrey, whether it was James Conner. And, and look, Joe Schobert was guilty of this too. And this is what I'm talking about with the athleticism. It's chasing these guys on out routes, them being quicker than you, and you diving at ankles and missing the tackle. That is a missed tackle. And why is it? It's because of athleticism. These guys are better athletes than you. You need more of these safety convert types of things. And this is why I screamed for a long time. Maybe Jabril Pepper should play some nickel and dime linebacker because he can run with these guys. You've got to be able to find these guys who can run with these backs who are going to catch 90 to 100 passes a year. And, and a lot of these you know, tackles that were missed and where I preach athleticism is because they could not keep up with the guys they were covering. They still count as missed tackles. That's the way it works, guys. And you know whether it's you know 30 yards down the field or five yards past the line of scrimmage, they're crucial, and you want to make every tackle. So if you're not in position because the guy you're you're chasing down is a better athlete, you're going to swing and miss, which still count as missed tackles. Uh, last yeah. one, you want to yeah, add and I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate real quick. I, there's there's two things that I think the Browns like. Joe is great north and south. Like Joe is oh. phenomenal in his own, and like yeah. we even gave him the crossing guard. I mean, and that's perfect. But you need that chase linebacker where it's even if he catches it, that's all he's getting. Yep. Yeah, and I think Joe, Joe's got a spot here. No matter where, if they move him out a little he bit, is not the, he is by yeah. far, he is no way is Joe Schobert yeah. the issue. None of us I'm with you. Uh, absolutely. Two positions yeah. I will say the Browns have to draft. Uh, they cannot they cannot rely on free agency. Uh, I don't see a corner that fits, somebody that they can they can they can really trust. Uh, if they want to upgrade over Terrence Mitchell and TJ Carey, I don't. I don't think that there's anybody on the market. So if they want, I've corner, got your guy. I've got your guy. Who you got? Justin Lane, Michigan State, Ohio native. Check him out. Trust me. He was the second-rated coverage cornerback, um, according to PFF, uh, behind Hooker from Iowa, which is weird because he was a nickel corner and a and a safety. But uh, Justin Lane, Michigan State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. I think that if they take corner, they have to draft. One. But he's got that. Agency... But he's got that size. It seemed like they were okay with Ward being smaller, but everybody else they got was long and lean, and this kid fits that in spades. For sure, there are options uh, across the secondary for them to uh, to draft one. I don't like the corner class and free agency. There are some safeties that are interesting, but they don't necessarily need one. In I just agency. think they're a little bit small, and I don't want another guy. You know, I don't want another guy like Ward. I, you know, I think if you're going to look at this guy as your number two cornerback, let's, let, let, you know, it seems like you always want the nice mixture and the balance of two. Yeah, I'm with you, man, for sure on that. Especially, I like Lane. I've, I've seen some clips and some people that are smarter than both of us who have studied him a long time have have have, uh, have put out some convincing words on him. So I'm with you. That's a good name. But he for gets sure. a little dirty. He likes to get a little dirty too. And he, you know, obviously, you know, a uh, lot, you know, uh, lot of pass breakups, a lot of tackles. Jake, and, um, uh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just gonna say, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't expect them to sign anybody along the offensive line uh, from from anywhere else. Nope. And, uh, no reason to age either. If you're gonna draft, as one, long as you keep, of, as long as you're keeping your own. Yep. Yeah. Bring back. Find a couple of developmental guys. Yep. I'm with you, man. So tackle corner for me are the two places that they draft instead of free agency interest. 
Of course. Now, Jake, uh, what are you what are you going to work on here now? Where are you headed? What's you know, going to be the focus? Whether it's the OBR, you know, whether it's the Browns film breakdown, Cleveland.com. What is you know? Because look, everybody enjoys the work, Jake. It's been a nice product, and I told you this well over a year ago. You were onto something here. Everybody <laughs> needs that X is an O guy, and it, it's gone pretty well for you. It's gone well, man. I what, can't complain. So what do you man. got for so what do you got for the listeners, the readers? What do you got for everybody? Yeah, over on the OBR, we've been doing uh, sort of the recap. So we've been we've been giving out positional grades, and, and we're not uh, going to talk about number eighty. That's that that is that has been <laughs> that has been the mention of that is no longer on the docket. We're not talking yeah. about number eighty, but other guys, yeah. the other fifty-two or whatever. Yeah, had. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so <laughs> we're we're doing positional grades group by group, week by week for them. It's a long off season. There's not a ton of. Uh, not a ton of X and O stuff that gets very fun during the off season, just other than looking at players. So we're doing reviews, and then uh, I think once the draft comes and goes, we'll start looking at some of their favorite offensive schemes that they ran this year and some of that stuff. But for now, we're going to look at what happened, who's worth keeping, who's not uh, over at the OBR, and then and, uh, over at Cleveland.com, we're going to do, I think starting this week, we're going to do a free agency tracker, a little bit of a preview, guys that fit. So get you some film work on those guys, let you see what you think about um, you know, just those free agents that are out there, whether you think they're a good fit and, and just uh, some of their better cut-up film work to see to see how they could uh, improve Cleveland's some of Cleveland's issues that we, we thought popped up too often this year. Yeah, and you know, and, and that's the thing. It looks 7-8-1. and one. Guys, it's great. Um, you're not going to, you know, look, I mean, well, I mean, there was a parade for 0-16. You're not throwing <laughs> a parade for 7-8-1. and one. There's still a lot of work to be done. But the point is, is, you know, and everybody, oh, the foundation, the foundation, that part's handled. Now it's, you know, go ahead and fill in the rest. Jake, it had been too long, man. This was a good time. Oh, of course, Jeff. Great time, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, whether it's the OBR, whether it is the Browns Film uh, Breakdown podcast uh, over at Blue Wire, whether it is the Browns Film Breakdown, um, the written work, and obviously the video stuff over at YouTube, check all that stuff out, whether it is his stuff over with the OBR. And, you know, guys, like we always talk about with the guys over at the OBR, we all know who's working. We all know who's putting it in. And, uh, you know, obviously, Jake, never a question about that. Um, the Locked on Browns podcast, we always keep it a follow-back account. Uh, me, personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, guys, it, 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 it's been fun. It's been insane, you know, how this has grown and, and everything that you guys are putting out. And like I told you, the offseason was not going to be an offseason. Uh, we're going to keep pumping out ridiculous content and doing the best we can to give you guys some great coverage here. Um, look, your Cavaliers right now got you feeling flat. Um, hopefully baseball season is going to come or maybe they're just going to delay everything till Manny Machado and Bryce Harper get off their lazy butts and sign their $200 million contracts so we can get baseball going. Maybe that'll happen this spring. Who knows? But, uh, but here, Cleveland Browns, we got you covered here on Locked on Browns. As we always say when we put it to bed, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.